Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com slash Sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Let's start with something really basic, getting away from text. What does it mean to care about something? What is that like for you? All of you care about some people. Yeah. To um, consider their feelings and make sacrifices based on that. Okay, so two really important elements. Consider their feelings and make sacrifices. Or like allow them to um, affect your decisions. Allow those that consideration to affect you. Okay. Allow them to affect your decisions. What else is going into caring for You feel some type of emotional response of something that has to do with them that doesn't necessarily affect you. Okay. You have some sort of feelings towards them. This could be positive or negative. If I care about you and you're doing badly, I feel a negative emotion like pity or sadness or something like that. That's what it means to have compassion. If, if you're doing well, I mean, you know, when we look at Aristotle later, he's going to talk about friendship. He says, friends share in each other's misfortunes and in their joys. So if I, if, you know, it's your birthday, hey, I'm happy because it's your birthday and you're happy. Benevolence is like this. Okay, so this is a good, anything else that we want to throw in here? Anything we left out? Or do you think this is adequate for understanding? Just the basic idea of care. All right, so if we want to say that the ethics of care is a moral theory, then we're saying something like care is required, or you're not a good person, or you're not doing the right thing. It's almost like, you know, the opposite of Kant, isn't it? For Kant, if your emotions were involved, that's not a good thing. It doesn't have any moral value. This would be saying, unless your emotions are involved, and you have some of these other things, like being willing to sacrifice for the other person, you're not really a good person. You're not really doing the right thing. So, you know, my being good to you because I just want you to think I'm a small guy and give me good ratings would not be a moral thing. My being good to you as students because I care about your well-being and how you feel and that sort of thing, that would make me a good person. So one of the problems, one of the complaints that you can make about this is you're requiring people to feel a certain way in order to be good people. Does that seem to have any problems to it? What if you don't feel that way? Does it mean you're a bad person automatically? So like he says, this is Bill Puka, he's making some complaints. He says, it's our ethics of care. Valorizes a certain set of non-moral values or psychological traits. It puts a premium on possessing a certain kind of personality, specifically a kindly and caring one. That's a big problem, isn't it? What if you're not a caring person? Don't we kind of differ? Some of us are more empathetic, more involved with other people's feelings. Others, not so much. Well, if this is the way you understand ethics of care, then if you don't have those feelings, you're not a good person. You should try to cultivate those feelings. You kind of get that impression sometimes, the way people talk about compassion, don't you? So Gilligan has a response to this, but it's not a complete response. Gilligan says, care is a preference for relating to others closely, for getting into each other's psychologies to share fears, concerns, vulnerabilities when confronting moral issues. It's also a preference for harmonious, non-competitive feelings and a cooperative spirit in relating and a commitment to making relationships last by working on them and nurturing them. But then Puka says this is just a capacity for psychological relatedness. And some people will have more of this and some people will have less. So for Gilligan to make this into a moral imperative is making people responsible for their feelings. Does that make you worry at all? Feel a bit uncomfortable? If you don't have the right feelings, according to this moral theory, there would be something wrong with you, right? I mean, it's not saying that you have to be a sociopath to be a wrong person. You just don't have to have this caring about relationships and willingness to sacrifice to be a 
not a good person. Going a little bit further, if we buy this notion that men are by their natures, or you know, whether it's environment or genetics or something like that, less caring, and women are more caring, wouldn't the ethics of care automatically be placing men into a position where they've got to be lesser moral beings? Or, you know, consider women who don't fit the, the sort of societal norms. They say, I want a career, and I'm just driven by that. Would they be less moral people? because they don't have that psychological trait. So that's a, a real worry. Two other things that come up. Benevolence ethics or ethics of care, this is Pusca again, does not take seriously the existence of mean, nasty, cruel, hard-hearted, hateful, or abusive individuals. I think sometimes when people have this kind of mindset that's like the ethics of care, that does tend to be the case. Generally, it's not the ethics of care. It's more like the ethics of niceness. Everyone ought to be nice to each other. Why can't everybody get along and just be nice? Nice is not really a moral value. Good is a moral value. True is a moral value. Just is a moral value. Nice is just sort of like icing on the cake. It's not that satisfying by itself. Have any of you ever seen the play Into the Woods? It's a musical. Who's the good, who's the moral voice? You don't realize that in the first act, but you realize it in the second act. Who's the character who actually knows? The baker. No, it's not the baker. The narrator? No, the narrator's just telling the story. Who's the moral voice? The father. No. So it's the least likely from the first act. The person you think is, is the, the bad guy in the first act. Or I'll give you him, the bad girl. The witch. The witch. And the witch has the speech where she actually tells the characters, nice is not good. Nice is not just. Nice is a pseudo value. By requiring everybody to be nice, you make everybody vulnerable to, like, you know, just nasty, cruel, hard-hearted, hateful, or abusive individuals. Do these people exist? Who's going to oppose them? The nice person or the just person? Or the good person, right? The just or the good person, because they actually have some convictions. They are able to judge. You know, would it be a good idea for you to actually consider the feelings of somebody who's a complete bastard? Is that what ethics of care would require you to do? Probably not. Not if it's, it's something that actually makes sense. He goes a little bit further and he says, third and finally, benevolence ethics demands too much in the way of self-sacrifice. Or the eth ethics of care would demand too much in the way of self-sacrifice. Uh, what do you guys think about that? With what we've said so far, to be caring means considering other people's feelings, making some sacrifices, allowing other people to affect your decisions, taking them into account, and feeling a certain way towards them. Just making sacrifices. Are there limits to that? Are there proper limits to that that an ethics of care could recognize? Or once you say, well, you got to care about other people, is it anything goes? Yeah. Well, I think that's what the third, or like the highest level of diligence um, scale yeah. is like you have to care about yourself also. Like it's not just about other people. You have to have that balance of like where are my boundaries. That's a good point. That you are another person, so you ought to have as much care, at least towards yourself, as you do towards yeah. other people. I think a lot of the ethics of care people think that the, the challenge for women, at least you know, in traditional roles, is not having enough care for themselves. Whereas for, for men, that's not usually that big of an issue. I'm very suspicious of this sort of thing, because I, I see a lot of, when it comes to class things, um, there's a lot of men who are like, always in the one down position. And it doesn't matter whether it's to another man or to a woman, they're you know, stuck in that sort of position of having to give, 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 particularly in this economy. One of the other criticisms a little bit later on talks about being forced to smile all the time. How many of you have worked retail before? A few of you? How many of you have worked in restaurants too? Or 
other places where, well, if you, I mean, if you work in the back of the restaurant, you don't have to smile. But if you're a waiter, you have to smile a lot, right? And people act like jerks towards you. And it's the same way in retail sales. Even in offices, how many of you have had office jobs? Don't you just, a lot of times have to put on kind of a happy face, even though you're, you're not really that happy, and be nurturing, and get along with everybody, and inside you're thinking, God, I hate these people. They're driving me nuts, right? That happens. The point that they're making in that is that having to put on that mask eventually makes it hard to be genuinely happy. I think that's a problem not only for women, but also for a lot of men, and at least the society I've experienced, and probably you guys are experienced in the workplace. Teaching is kind of like that, I suppose, in some respects. You know, sometimes you gotta smile. So these worries about required care, it seems to be, this seems to be the issue. The, the, there's an equation. Only caring is good. That that leads to some problems. Is this really a set of, you know, knockdown, this can't possibly be a good moral theory, criticisms? I, I don't think so. I think these point towards some of the limits of the ethics of care, but they don't they don't move it out altogether. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.